Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Monday, February 13th, 2023. This is edition number 26 of season 8. As we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith, we are in chapter 5. And today we're going to take up uh, paragraph number 2. Let's pray together and then we'll look briefly at this uh, very short paragraph. Our Father in heaven, as we come now uh, into your presence and we come to understand that which you've given to us in your word, we're thankful for these historic documents that give us an accurate summary of what your word does teach. It does help us as we seek to understand the, the, these matters. We pray that your spirit would attend to that which we say and hear and that we would not only learn, but we would apply these things to our lives, that it would cause us to live faithfully before you uh, each moment of our day. We uh, pray that you'd forgive us for our sins, that you'd cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, in the Friday edition, we concluded paragraph one uh, by discussing very practical elements and matters related to the question of God's providence, both those good providences that we all like and would like to have more of, and then uh, those dark providences that do come to us because we live in a fallen world and matters pertaining to sickness, illness, death, and a host of other things that none of us wish for or want in our lives, but they're designed by God to help us. They're ordered by Him, a loving Father who um, guides and directs His people. Today we come to paragraph number two, and I'm going to be just reading this, make a few comments, a couple references, and then I'm going to read a little bit from a book that I've been reading on the Westminster Confession of Faith as well. But paragraph two simply says, although in relation to the relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly. Yet by the same providence he ordereth them to fall out, according to the nature of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. So we have a number of issues here to uh, deal with, we have first this expression of God being the first cause of all things. And that simply means that he initiates everything that happens. He is the the creator of heaven and earth. He made the world and all that is in it, visible and invisible in the space of six days without any help, without any uh, means. He simply spoke and there it was. He is the first cause of all things that happens, all things that happen in our lives, regardless of the degree of importance or not, and insofar as we understand it, these things come to pass, as the Confession tells us, immutably. That is to say, there is no possibility of change, and infallibly they will certainly, uh, without fail, happen and occur. But then the Confession also moves on to talk about this issue of second causes, the means and the ways in which God accomplishes these various things. Now, when we think about the first cause of God, we immediately think about this verse in Acts 2.23, Him, that is Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. In other words, God has determined that these things would happen, that he had uh, prophesied long ago. He had given the promise, the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel to our first parents in Genesis 3.15, that through the seed of the woman would come a one who would crush the head of the serpent. This was all guaranteed, decreed, the first cause uh, to happen immutably and infallibly. 
him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So we have the first cause and the second cause here uh, wrapped up in this simple, this singular uh, verse. Now, this matter of second causes, uh, the confession talks about how it's either, it, it, it happens, it falls out, it occurs, uh, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. So let me just read a couple lines from the book here that I've mentioned before, Confessing the Faith, uh, Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's written by the, uh, Dr. Chad Van Dixhorn, uh, arguably the premier scholar on the Westminster Standards. But when it comes to the first cause, he says, God's perfect providence, his arrangement and care of all things in time is the working out of his perfect predestination, his planning and ordering of all things in eternity. So we saw that in chapters 2 and 3, um, or chapter 2. But if chapter 5 states, from the perspective of the foreknowledge and decree of God, all things come to pass immutably or unchangeably and infallibly without error or failure. We can find uh, to our chagrin that the supervisor on a building site sometimes uses an architect's plan more as a suggested guideline than as a blueprint to follow in every detail. But in God's world, he is both architect and supervisor. In no detail will be changed as his plan comes to pass. As Peter reminded the crowds of Jerusalem, this foreknowledge and decree extends extend to all things, and even the capture and execution of God's own Son was according to God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Now, when it comes to second causes, which is the first item on this, in this paragraph, I suspect most of us don't struggle with. He is the Almighty God of heaven and earth. He causes all things to happen. He decrees all things. We get that. It's the second causes, I think, that trips us up a little bit, and how this works together with God's decrees. Well, Van Dixhorn says, God needs no one else to help him. If he had wished, God could have planned to continuously create every action and event, every movement and thought in the history of the world. In other words, he could have remained the only cause of all effects. And yet God did not do that. In his wise providence, he chose to govern a world with patterns and regularities. Now, we see these patterns and regularities in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. What we have is the seasons of the earth. We have, as one of my professors uh, referred to it, as the habits of God. And so... These regular patterns occur in our lives uh, throughout the year. We see winter, spring, summer, fall, and guess what? Next year it'll do the same thing, and the year after that it'll do the same thing. Each morning we see the sun rise in the east and set in the west. The moon uh, rises in the sky. The stars show up. Dark and night comes and goes. All of these things are part and parcel of God's normal rhythm, routines, patterns, regularities that he, uh, he uses. God ordered, as Van Dixhorn goes on, God ordered all things to happen according to what we would call the nature of second causes. From our perspective, these causes and their effects appear in a variety of types. Some causes are necessary, some free, some contingent. And these three different kinds of causes are illustrated within Scripture itself. So we're going to look at all three of them just briefly using a couple passages of Scripture. Jeremiah 31, uh, 35, thus 
thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon, and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Jeremiah reminds us God has given the sun for light by day and the moon and the stars for light by night. These are the necessary means or causes for illumination of the world. This is how God has purposed it. As the first cause, he put the sun in the sky, the moon in the sky, the greater light, the lesser light, to illumine the earth. That is a necessary cause. Second, as in Exodus 21 or Deuteronomy 19 reminds us, if a man innocently killed another in Israel, he had some freedom of means to preserve his life. Some ways to cause his chance of survival to increase, he could run to one of the cities of refuge. And then finally, third, we can remember the words of Micaiah the prophet who told King Ahab that he would die in battle. As Micaiah explained to those around him, the contingency of Ahab's death would be the means to establish either the truthfulness or the falsehood of Micaiah's claim to speak in God's name. If the king should die, then the prophet would be speaking the truth. If not, he would be a liar. And so... Here we have these three matters um, given to us just by these three examples. The first one in Jeremiah 31, the second one Exodus 21 and Deuteronomy 19, the third in 1 Kings 22. So clearly God can do all these things with or without the concurrence or knowledge of people, but he has purposed to use second causes to accomplish his most holy ends. And so we rest in that. We don't worry about it. Um, in fact, we're probably not very conscious of it, actually, as we go through our day. We make decisions, we do things, we set our alarm clock that we might wake up in the morning to go to work and be on time. We, we make appointments so that we can see the doctor as we're supposed to. So we utilize all of these second cause issues throughout the course of our day, but they're all working um, either, as the confession says, either necessarily, freely, or contingently to accomplish God's immutable and infallible decree and working out of his own providence in his creation. And so we need not strive against these things. We need not fret about them. We need not worry. We simply act responsibly, live our lives as God has asked us to, has told us to, and he accomplishes his purpose throughout all of those things. And those purposes, of course, in the grand scheme of things, is for his glory and for our good. And so, <clears throat> and so we just simply do what we're supposed to do each day and recognize as we do that, God is accomplishing all that he has determined to accomplish. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we consider paragraph 3, of chapter 5. May the Lord help you today. May you strive to do all that he has told you. May he richly bless you.